Welcome to Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women, a podcast dedicated to the women that shaped our history. This podcast is brought to you by Underground Films, Epic the Irish Emigration Museum, HerStory.ie and RTE, ahead of our TV series, Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women, on RTE in spring 2020. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Angela Byrne, with additional storytelling from Tall Tales Podcasts. Cynthia Longfield, or Madam Dragonfly, was born in London in 1896 to Anglo-Irish parents. The family divided their time between London and the ancestral home in Cloyne, County Cork, where Cynthia enjoyed roaming the countryside. Her early love of nature and insects grew into a lifelong passion, and she became a leading authority on dragonflies and damselflies. Cynthia's interest in the sciences was fostered in childhood with her mother's encouragement. She was inspired at an early age by reading about Charles Darwin's theory of evolution and his Beagle Voyage of 1831-6. She later wrote, I went on the St George expedition to follow Darwin's footsteps and I got there. She absorbed the importance of fieldwork and travel both of which played important roles in her life and her scientific work. It was in 1921, during her first overseas tour to Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Bolivia, Peru, Panama, Jamaica and Cuba, that her passion for entomology blossomed. In 1924, she participated in the St. George Scientific Expedition, an 18-month-long reenactment of Darwin's Beagle Voyage, taking in the Cocos Islands, the Galapagos, the Marquesas and Tahiti. During the expedition, Longfield collected moths, beetles and butterflies for the collections of the Natural History Museum in London. The Biographical Dictionary of Women in Science L to Z by Marilyn Bailey Oglev and Joy Dorothy Harvey contains the following details of that expedition. One of the organisers of the expedition was Cyril Colinette, a professional entomologist only eight years older than she was. Since he was interested in beetles, butterflies and moths, Longfield soon began to assist him. They began in Trinidad, moved to Panama, where they found wonderful butterflies and then through the canal to Balboa, collecting whenever they stopped. They collected in Colombia, went on to the Galapagos Islands and then steamed to the South Seas. Following the expedition, she worked unpaid as a cataloguer at the museum for the next 30 years. She had sole responsibility for its dragonfly collections. Colinette remained a close friend. The Biographical Dictionary of Women in Science says of their friendship, her friendship with Colin grew. He dedicated his book on the expedition to Longfield. Longfield and Colinette were soon working together at the museum on their new collections and lunching together every day. Although it looked for a while as though Colinette and Longfield might marry, the differences in their social position and some hesitation on her part upon hearing that he had left a common-law wife and a child in Malaysia resulted in a decision to stay good friends, even when he married a few years later. 
her personal circumstances freed her from the need for paid employment. And while she remained in her museum post for the next three decades, she continued to travel the world in search of specimens. In 1927, she participated in a six-month-long scientific expedition to the Mato Grosso, Brazil, where she collected 38 species of dragonfly, three of which were new to Western science. She went on to make scientific expeditions to Southeast Asia in 1929, where she collected hundreds of moths and butterflies, to Kenya, Uganda and Zimbabwe and South Africa in 1934, where she travelled alone and identified six new species of butterfly and dragonfly, and again to Cape Town and Zimbabwe in 1937. During that last journey, she was forced to return to London when she contracted malaria, and she was prevented from ever returning to Africa by the outbreak of World War II. During World War II, she volunteered for the Auxiliary Fire Service in London, and indeed she'd had some experience in this area because she had previously worked with the Royal Army Service Corps and in an aeroplane factory during the First World War. Cynthia didn't limit herself to quietly cataloguing species in the museum. She regularly published her findings, she sat on museum committees, and was a member of the Entomological Society, the Royal Geographical Society, and the London Natural History Society. In 1937, she published the sellout book, The Dragonflies of the British Isles, which became the standard handbook on the topic into the 1980s. She opens the book with a clear desire for the work to be accessible and digestible to the general population. Cynthia writes, it is 36 years since a book on the British dragonflies was published, so I hope this present volume will fill a need and supply information on a not too technical character and in a small compass on this neglected group of insects. I have not given any structural descriptions of nymphs or adults, but have kept solely to the external points of identification and in the case of the nymphs to a superficial description of their appearance when in the last stage of instar. On no account can identification of species be made on these descriptions of the nymphs alone. Indeed, such identification is most uncertain even after careful study of all the scientific literature on the subject. The descriptions and illustrations should serve to place the nymph in the correct genus and to supplement the identification of the adult insect. The biology, with detailed structure and classification, is so complicated in this highly specialised group of insects that it is quite beyond the scope of a book of this kind, which is meant for use in the field. But I have given a separate chapter on the classification, largely based on wing venation. It is for a special use in the field that I have composed a detailed key to the identification of the winged dragonflies, which is not based on any scientific keys to either genera or species of which cannot be used beyond the confines of the British Isles being arranged solely to help the separation of the British species. Only the most necessary scientific terms have been used throughout and these are fully explained in the glossary. Cynthia retired from London's Natural History Museum in 1956 and returned to live in Cloyne, County Cork, 
but she never stopped traveling or studying entomology. Two dragonfly species have been named in her honor. She donated her personal archive and library, some 500 volumes, to the Royal Irish Academy before her death, and donated her Irish specimen collection to the Natural History Museum in Dublin. In the 1960s, she gave a public lecture in County Cork on the question of the suitability of entomology as a field of study for young girls, and she heartily endorsed it as a rewarding career. This show was brought to you by Underground Films, Epic the Irish Emigration Museum, HerStory.ie and RTE. Mixed and produced by Cassia Talltales Podcasts and presented by Dr. Angela Byrne. If you like this story, subscribe for more on iTunes and Spotify and check out our TV series, Her Story, Ireland's Epic Women on RTE in Spring 2020. Her Story's score composed by Scott Marr and Oshin Murray.